This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 101 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Clicker training comes back. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our title sponsor is Omega Alpha. You can find them at omegaalpha.ca. Also, Equestrian Collections. Visit them at equestriancollections.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hell or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. Howdy there, partner. I'll tell you what, I have, we have a lot to talk about today. I have some exciting news, and, uh, and you've been a klutz. <laughs> yeah, what else is new? <laughs> so we, 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 of course, uh, both show up a little bit late to record, like we usually do. And you say, oh, I'm in pain. So I have to find out first, what are you in pain about? Oh, what about, okay. Um, I smashed my thumb with a hammer, and I smashed it good. Smashed the tip right off. What? And, uh, like a yeah, little pile was, of uh, bloody goo? Oh, yeah. It was a pile of bloody goo, all right. Um, I, my daughter and her friend are here, and we have this lovely patch of blueberry bushes in our, our yard. And, um, you know, the birds are helping themselves. So I thought, well, what a great way to, <laughs> to, to, to get two things done at the same time. I'll have the girls build a scarecrow. Oh, they I thought you were going to say up. you were trying to smash the bluebirds. I, 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 I don't know. No, no never. No, no. Okay. No. Right. no, no. Only deer flies, which we'll get to in a minute. This is the only <laughs> thing I could smash right now. So I, yeah, so I, I have this brilliant idea. Well, let's let's have the girls have this afternoon project and we'll build a scarecrow. So I was trying to hammer two sticks together, a, a skinny stick to act as the arms onto a bigger stick. And these are like tree branch sticks. So they roll and, you know, they don't stay still. And, and so I got frustrated and I decided to bring that hammer up really high and bring it down really hard. And I was doing it on our brick patio. Oh. So I didn't just smash my thumb. I smashed it oh. into the brick. Oh. And I knew it was bad. And I instantly ran into the kitchen and put it under cold water. And I proceeded to get extremely faint. And so I said, Grace, go get daddy. <laughs> go get something. Get some ice. Okay. The only reason I'm laughing is you're laughing. So because <laughs> this is oh, not funny. We've all it, done it. Well, I'm, you know, I can, I can stand blood and guts and gore and other people's pain and even my own pain, but something no, when about you smash your thumb. Oh my god, it, it hurts. <laughs> and it didn't stop hurting. Usually, when you hurt yourself, it's the initial ouch, you know, that that gets you. But then, it, then it starts to, it starts to feel better almost immediately. Like that, the actual impact is the greatest part of the pain. Well, this thing started to hurt more, and I broke out into a sweat. 
I mean, dripping sweat, <laughs> dripping sweat. My heart was racing. I'm like, I got to sit down on the floor. I have to put my head between my knees. My thumb is in a bucket of ice. How long ago was this? Like 20 minutes ago. Oh, geez. <laughs> I literally just, the nausea and the faintness just passes. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, I should be all right. Yeah, my daughter doctored me up. Well, good. So you're trying to Wait. teach a nice lesson to your daughter, and instead she has to witness blood and guts. At least I didn't swear. It's, I was so <laughs> sickened by Which what happened. Which for you is I a pretty good, speak. actually. <laughs> and, and, and on top of that. You mean is, the Italian didn't come out? No, I was. it hurt too much to be anything but <laughs> zombie-like. So, like, I don't know, three days ago, probably three days ago, I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I was riding. Maybe I was putting around in the woods. I, I, I don't know what happened, but that night I'm laying in bed and my eye starts itching. I was scratching my eye. I have a deer fly bite on my eyelid, okay? Oof. It is so swollen. Oh, I look like a prize fighter. So between my thumb... And my itchy, scratchy, red and swollen eye. Don't really... go to the hospital because they're going to they're going to the welfare people be over checking out your husband. <laughs> I look like a million bucks. <laughs> so I can just I, see I'm, you with your headphones on right now. With the... I'm what those celebrity bloggers call a hot mess. <laughs> but now, OK, that's enough about me. I want to hear your exciting news. The exciting I... news is my wife and I bought a horse last night and <gasps> I want to give a shout out to Martha. We're going to pick it up Sunday. Uh, we've been looking around to find a family horse, one that she can ride and one that I can ride and that we can switch off and go trail riding together and stuff. Right, right. And uh, so we wanted a quarter horse, something that was uh, quiet and, you know, just just that we could hang out on. We didn't really have to do much work. Right. And just chilling. Yeah, we found a lovely quarter horse um, o- over in Jeffersonville, Kentucky, about an hour from here. Okay. And beautiful place. And Martha was the sweetest woman ever. And she had gotten this horse, was her first horse, actually, and... Now she's moving on to some wacky younger ones. And uh, so he's a chestnut 15, about 15, one, 10 years old, been there, done that. She did a great job with him. So shout out to Martha. We're looking forward to picking up our horse on Sunday. Oh, and uh, you know I'm a big fan of chestnut quarter horses. I know. Jennifer said that, too. She said, oh, this reminds me of the days when I used to ride with Helena and we were both riding quarter horses. Oh, I know. So, I know. yeah, so we're very excited about so that. So now this is the horse that you guys went and rode the other night. Yes. So she said, she, when she sent me a text, she said, I just rode Zeke's twin. Yes, yes. So your horse's twin. That's exactly right. <laughs> yep. Th- that would be t- true, too. Doesn't really have any vices and just hangs out and was great. So oh, just a good old boy. Yeah. So I went last night and put the deposit on him, and we're going to pick him up on Sunday, and we'll be keeping him just a cut, you know, at the barn a couple miles from here. So that'll be a lot of fun. <sighs> we're looking forward to getting him. We're trying to decide on a name because his name is Cookie. And no offense, Martha, but I, we knew a cookie once, and we'd rather not remember that person. So um. I told Martha we were going to have to change the name, and, and I know she was upset because she's had the name Cookie for a long time. But, you know, you know, she don't want to be reminded of somebody no, I that know. was by the name of Cookie. So we're going to change his name. We're going to have to yes. come up with a new name. You know, I changed my horse's name, too. I just, but it was Khalil, and that's okay, but it just seemed like it was a personal connection between yeah, somebody his old had a yeah. relationship to that name exactly so i and um you know i have this theory that you really shouldn't change an animal's name if it's like 10 years old and older you know 10 years is like i mean when you're when a horse is being used to call something how do you change their name but whatever i got over it <laughs> 
And then the other bit of a side, by the way, we should tell everybody what we're going to do today on the show before we continue on here. We are actually going to have a guest on who we interviewed many, many years ago on a different show by the name of Shauna Koresh. She is the lady that's really responsible for the, uh, the, popularity of clicker training and on-target training years and years and years ago in the 90s when it became so popular. And she's also responsible for his, her its resurgence now. It really is coming back into the forefront. Yeah. So we're going to get Shauna on. She has a fascinating story. She used to work for SeaWorld and train dolphins, and she used to be one of those in the, in the uh, uh, wetsuit there in the pool doing the shows. <laughs> so she, she's a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to having her on today. And then we're also going to do our, in just a minute here, we're going to do our Catholic Wild Ride Update. Kathleen is in a part of the world. It, she did make it into Wyoming, and okay. um, but she's in a little town there in the middle of the mountains. And I mean little town. I brought it up on the map, and it looks like there may be six roads in this town. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's little. So she's there and going to be there for a couple days, but they have no cell phone reception. So we're actually going to get her friend Mary, who keeps up her Facebook uh, account and gives us the daily updates. We're going to get Mary on here shortly uh, to tell us what's going on with Kathleen. But before that, speaking of Kathleen, Kathleen, one of her things is she loves bacon cheeseburgers. We've, we've established that on the show here. And she's constantly on the search. Well, she's gotten me so hungry for bacon cheeseburgers every week we talk about this. That makes two of us. <laughs> that we started our own mission to find the best bacon cheeseburgers in Lexington. So every Sunday we go out to different places to have bacon cheeseburgers. And we have hit upon the winner. I haven't found any place better than this. And it's a chain of all things. It's Five Guys Burgers and Fries. Have you ever heard of it? No, Five Guys Burgers and Fries. Yeah, it's actually at fiveguys.com. Okay. And they have a location in, in Seekonk, oh, Massachusetts, not too far, not too far okay. from you. Yeah. On your way to Providence, actually, off of I-95 or 195. They Look have, at you. Would you do have, map it I out I mapped for it me? out for you so you could go find it. So it, you could go there. We could take you there. <laughs> to visit. This was the best, freshest. You choose what you want. All they have is burgers. And you choose what. We know what you want, one patty or two patties or whatever, what kind of cheese, what toppings you want on it. You pick the toppings and they just make them right there. But what goes along with that is they have the best bread. And then also everything is so fresh, the lettuce and the it's just fresh. The tomatoes were fresh. Everything was just fresh. We, when we were eating it, we were going, this is the best bacon cheeseburger we've ever had. And then they make their own fries. They cut them. They have the big bags of potatoes stacked up there and they cut their own fries and make them. And you can get Cajun fries. Ooh, that have wow. that seasoning on them, oh, they are to die for. So I highly recommend Five Guys Burgers and Fries. If there's one near you, and they're not an advertiser on the show, if there's one near you, check them out. It's at fiveguys.com. But it was good. Okay. Very, very okay. good. Yep. Uh, we, that's, we're going to go back there again this Sunday. We're not even looking for a new place. And it's a, <laughs> as I said, it's sort of like a fast food place. This one was built right next, but it has its own unique flavor. And this one was built right next to a McDonald's. This place was packed. So there you go. There's franchise opportunities available. You could open one right there in your little town along the beach. They don't let franchises here in um, Little Compton. Uh, okay. I know. We like that. Be that way. <laughs> I'll eat burgers. I don't want to cook them up. I just want to eat them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to be involved. With, that's what my husband's for. I don't want to be involved in creating and making food. I just want to eat it. And I do and want to quickly announce the winners of the Bluegrass Medallion giveaway that we've been advertising on all the shows here for the last, what seems like forever. Thanks to Bluegrass Medallions for, for giving these up. Uh, do you want to read the winners there, Helena? 
Um, or are okay. you ready? And by the way, if you're going to pass out during the show, uh, let me know. No, no, I'm good now. Okay, I'm, just I'm, I'm good now. I, yeah, <laughs> you're being a trooper. I, yeah, I am. I mean, if you saw my thumb, you, you, yeah, you'd be sending me fan mail yourself. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> the winners of the Bluegrass Medallion giveaway. This is. I just think this was the coolest. Um, the coolest giveaway. All right. So our should I start with the bronze? We'll start with yeah, the bronze. Yeah. Yeah. Our yeah. bronze medallion. Um, bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Our bronze medallion winner is Scott Letterman or Lederman. It's probably Lederman from Germantown, Wisconsin. So congratulations to Scott. The winner of the silver medallion is Janine White from Boring, Oregon. And I'm sure it's nothing boring. Oregon's a beautiful state. And the winner of the gold medallion is Stephen Birdsall. Stephen Birdsall from Westfield, Pennsylvania. Ooh, that was an easy one. Well, congratulations to everybody. That's over $500 in medallions. And as Chrissy Joy pointed out to me yesterday from the Bluegrass Medallion giveaway, when we started this, it was over 500 but gold has gone up significantly. <laughs> so it was probably over 600 at this point. Um, and these are real, the real thing. They're the official World Equestrian Games medallions. So uh, there you go. Yeah, and I don't think you should have me read anything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that was, okay. I, I mean, that was a struggle to get through that. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with Kathleen's Wild Ride update. But we'll, we'll be right back after, this, after these words from the number one supplement company in Canada and now making great waves here in the United States, our title sponsor, Omega Alpha. Well, Helena, Omega Alpha Pharmaceuticals creates only natural health products. Their scientists, guided by Dr. Gordon Chang, formulate a wide variety of mainly herbal health products to address many equine health problems. And I have on the line here Kyle Carter, who is an international eventer and well-known throughout the eventing world, who uses Omega Alpha products. Kyle, I understand that you started using uh, Omega Alpha about a year ago. Yeah, I've, I've been using it for about a year and have noticed a remarkable difference in the horses that have been on it. And then um, if, they've, if they've come off of it, the horse's health always has been better on it. Um, it's one of the few supplement companies that I wholeheartedly believe in. Well, thank you, Kyle. You know, Omega Alpha brings consumers the perfect marriage of nature and science. Look for all of their products at retailers nationwide or visit their website at omegaalpha.ca. That's omegaalpha.ca. I just love saying that name, Omega Alpha. I do, too. And it's you know what? Got it's got a cool it's, name. It's coming more naturally. I know. It. I kept wanting yep. to say Alpha Omega, but... Omega, it's Omega Alpha. Alpha. Oh, it's just cool. And I like saying .ca because everything's .com, .com. <laughs> you know, .ca mixes it up a little bit. All right. Well, thanks to Omega Alpha for being part. Let's get Mary Bengal on, who is uh, Kathleen's friend, who calls her every day and harasses her. And then Kathleen writes about on the blog saying there's this woman that keeps calling me and harassing me. Um, so let's get her on and get an update about what Kathleen, how the horse is. Remember, he had some sores on his back. Uh, yeah, those were. It was the saddle. She was waiting for a new saddle. To, her old saddle to be shipped back, and yeah, think, some things like that. All yes. right, two mares. That's an important point. Yes, I'm sorry Girl about power. that. I, I got that wrong. All right, so we're going to get Mary on the line here, and well, hi, Mary, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Thank you. It's been a while since we've chatted with you. We've had Kathleen every week, but she's in the middle of uh, a, sort of a godforsaken place in Wyoming. 
Um, well, Cokeville doesn't think it's godforsaken, but they don't have cell service. So, <laughs> I, there you yeah, go. as far as cell service is concerned, and I, I checked out Cokeville on the uh, map, and it's a little town right there, and yep. uh, yep. just outside the Rockies. And it looks like she has gone about thirty-five, forty miles since we spoke to her last. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was some right. hilly ride, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quite a ride, and it was full of mosquitoes and bugs, and and it looked like they had the chicken pox, but they're better. Oh, oh. I, you know that seems to be happening all across the country. The the bug crop has been big this year. Yeah, and you know what's funny is in Cokeville they spray the town with I guess some kind of pesticide that's outlawed in forty seven states. So there aren't any bugs in the town of Cokeville, but they don't sell any type of bug spray for the horses oh. or for <laughs> actually your. Skin. So, you know, she doesn't have any bug spray to travel with her once she leaves Is that the, the strangest thing ever? We, so I we know. Gotta, we got to find, like, a net. You know how they have those nets that you throw over your baby carriages? Yeah, like, that We, we got to find something like that for her. Well, they <laughs> Boy, do make it for over their face. The they do make it for over your face, I know. They make those for riders, actually. Oh, uh, well, there you go. You just need a giant one for her and the two horses. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure nobody would take notice of that. <laughs> like she's not noticed already. You just see exactly. the kids going cross country with their parents. Mommy, what? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it looks like a caravan all by themselves. Hey, uh, so what happened? Uh, her horse had saddle sores last week that we're healing up. How's that going? Really good. She thinks they'll be probably 100 percent by Saturday. And is she hanging around in Cokeville till Saturday? Is that the plan? Yep, that's the plan. I talked to her, um, uh, what's today, Thursday? Tuesday, we got to talk on the phone, and uh, that'll be the last time we get to talk until she gets to Kimmer, we think. But um, it was Friday or Saturday she's going to head out because she thinks the saddle sores will be completely healed up, and that's the goal. Otherwise, it's always going to be two steps forward and one step back. Right, right. Yeah, and they were just darn near about gone, so... And so now she's going to continue through some hills here for a little while yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wyoming gets pretty far and few between here. Yeah, she's going to try and get some advice from some of the folks she's going to be staying with and uh, traveling past, you know, who live in Wyoming. And when she gets to Kemmerer, our contact person there is um, Don Lamborn, and he's, you know, his his remark was after Kemmerer, it's about 125 miles of nothing. So uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, possibilities and who he might know between there and the next stop, because that's a little bit scary. Yeah, I, I am looking. Yeah. There is nothing. Yeah, a <laughs> yeah. whole lot of nothing. And his advice was to go a little bit further north where there'd be more contacts and, and more people. Okay. So we haven't, Kathleen and I haven't talked about that yet. We're just trying to get her out of Cokeville and get into Kemmer, and then we're really going to talk about what's coming after Kemmer. I have an idea. Kemmer has an airport. We'll just load them all up, <laughs> and we'll fly them to, like, Chicago, and they can just resume from there. Hey, they might all be for that, especially the horses might say, yeah, let's do that, Kathleen. That sounds really First good class. right about now. Of course, the Kemmer Airport, we may not find an airplane big enough for the three of them. Um, Yeah, maybe not. We'll ship them all out separately. (laughs) Well, they could go by rail. You know, are there any train services? Uh, It doesn't look like there's much there. Yeah. No. Does she have any camping gear with her at this point? (laughs) Yeah, she has her tent. Okay. You know, not much. She's got the tent that she's been camping in when she's been staying at the fairgrounds. And they've, uh, today, they're staying in a three-acre parcel in town. 
in Cokeville. So she's using her tent and some camping gear and stuff. So she's okay. And, and the horses travels, have three acres. Well, that's great. They're out just relaxing and eating. Yeah, they're happy. The, yeah, the horses have it pretty good. I think this trip, they're pretty happy living outdoors for the most part. And they've been eating well and getting a lot of uh, TLC along the way. So I think they're doing pretty well. I have to read a section here if I could. I know it's it's never good radio to read, but this was <laughs> off of her blog. It was you, you might think this is crazy, but uh, you might think this is crazy. Blogspot. Com. Her latest entry on July nineteenth. She has a she has a, almost a more sarcastic sense of humor when she's writing. Yeah. Um, she says, "Now I've been across the, the country. Well, at least the western section. I've noticed an interesting trend. There are a large number of guess what, Helena? Uh, deer flies." trampolines in this part of the country. <laughs> Every town I go to, didn't see that coming, did you? Every no. town I go to, I see them dotting the yards, inviting children to bounce their cares away and older people to shoot footage for America's Funniest Home Videos. Hey. It has got me wondering, how good was that tra- traveling trampoline salesman? He or she must have been amazing. <laughs> so it is interesting, the little things you find uh, along the way. And then she had another entry I want to share, and I think, Mary, this probably hits you, too. It was her previous entry. I'm just going to read the last paragraph. She said, I guess if I have to have a reason for this trip, it is to live. Pure and simple live. Do what you are driven to. Take joy and pleasure in it. Don't put things off or ignore the little voice that pushes you. We spend so much of our lives doing what we think we are supposed to do and not enough doing what we have a passion for. I find that sad, and I want all of you to find your dreams and ride hard for them. You will get sores along the way and have to take time to recover, but the journey is worth it, so saddle up and go find those dreams. Yeehaw. Yeah, <laughs> but you yeah, know, we've, doesn't that good. explain it, Mary? Yeah, totally. I mean, that should be the you know the first page of her book, you know, or the forward to the book. I mean, that that totally sums it up. And um, a couple of things I have about that is my cousin Fred. When I called him when she first entered Idaho, that's how we got her through Idaho. Is my cousin Fred was the contact, and he said, "Well, I don't know if we can really help her. It'd be easier if she had a cause." You know, she was writing for something, and I said, she is. She's writing for herself. She needs to do this. And what better cause than to ride for yourself? Agreed. And that's exactly what she's saying. This is because she needs to do it. She wants to do it. And that's what we all, I mean, you have to live your dream, and she's got the guts to do it. And that's what she's saying to all of us. Isn't she? Yes. And I and, think And what better reason to help her do it if she's doing what we all need to do. And that's the best cause of all. I mean, it's wonderful to do something for cancer or for leukemia. I mean, that's fantastic. We should all do those kinds of things and help those charities. But the best charity of all is to go live your dreams. I agree. And well, and you pay it forward. You you know, she's getting an education, which we all know she'll pass on to everyone she meets from now. And yeah. She's getting an education for herself and we'll pass that forward to everyone she connects with. But then she's connecting with all those people through us. She is doing something for herself that she will then pay forward. She is serving as a role model, yeah. you know, in, in bravery and courage and planning and writing and you know, why wait for some kind of disease or disaster to do something? Right. And it's funny. I, I want to just, we'll close with this, Mary, but in the paragraph before that, Helena just mentioned bravery. Uh, she talks about in this blog post what, how people stop her and she has to tell her story. And she says, no matter how many times I tell people, I'm always surprised that they are interested. I get told that I am brave, which I don't feel I am, and that I am strong. And I don't feel that I am any stronger than anyone else. 
I get asked all the time what cause I am writing for, and when I say I don't have one, most people find one of their own. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, here yeah. we are being philosophical today. Uh, <laughs> thanks, well, that's Kathleen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I mean, Kathleen's got a very funny, sarcastic, lighthearted side, but obviously when she writes, you know, then you get to see the serious side and the meaning behind her trip. And I think that's why Jay and I and all of us are interested and want to help her get there. Well, you need to do me a favor. You need to take that last paragraph I read. The mm-hmm. one about the reason for the trip, and that needs to go in the paragraph on Facebook about the about what she's doing, um, okay. because that is the highlight. That explains, you know, we still have some naysayers out there. They're going, oh, she wasn't prepared, and this and that and the other thing, and why is she doing it? It's crazy, and blah blah blah. This is that's why I wanted to read that today. That's why. Yeah, you bet. I'll put that yeah. on the Facebook, and and you know, there were people. I'll say something that we can close with too. There were people who didn't believe she'd get through the first three days. Right. And now she's on her third state. And how many? How, how long has she been gone? She left. Uh, two months. Two months. Middle yeah. Of May. Middle of May. Well, I can she's tell you, people state. are really looking forward to, or people really look forward to hearing the updates every week. So let's keep doing them. And uh, good. I just wish we could get her into Kentucky in time for the World Equestrian Games. Wouldn't that I be cool? Know. <laughs> I do too. It's, it's a slow go, but at least she's doing it the right way. So yes, one, she's taking care of her horses. She's taking care of her horses too. So that's right. That's All right, right. Well, thank you, Mary. I appreciate it. You All bet. Right. Take Talk care. Bye bye. Well, that's great, Helena, and that's our Kathleen's Wild Ride update. Uh, so you can get you're all caught up on where she is along the way. Yeah, and I follow them on Facebook. I, I yes. love Mary's posts on Facebook. I'm a yes. little bit addicted to it. So. I know. Like, and the people... like talking to Kathleen live and in person once a week isn't enough. <laughs> yes. And, you know, Mary does a good job of, of making them. Uh, you see her frustration in trying to get news, too. Mary, she, yeah, Mary she, lays it all out there on the sleeve. <laughs> she does. She does. Good job, Mary. And Jay, her husband. we got to acknowledge Jay, her husband, helps and, and writes a lot of those, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, He's busy working on her bathroom, though, I hear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't have a hammer. Um, let's get to, <laughs> let's get, take a break here for Equestrian Collections and then come back and let's talk about clicker training and on-target training with the leader in that space and a very fun lady by the name of Shauna Koresh. For over a year now, we've been telling you about all the cool things happening at Equestrian Collections and the variety and selection of products they have at fantastic prices. But today, we want to talk to you a little bit about their social networking and what a community they have built on Facebook. If you go to Facebook and search for Equestrian Collections, you're going to find that over 20,000 fans are now following Equestrian Collections on Facebook. And, And the reason is they have a dynamic community built over there. You know, on uh, most store sites, most company sites on Facebook will just promote product and things like that. That's not what happens on Equestrian Collections. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, but mostly it's the community sharing pictures, talking about stories, asking questions of each other. It's an active, vibrant community, like a little forum right there on Facebook. Search for Equestrian Collections on Facebook or stop over to EquestrianCollections.com for all of your horse and rider needs. Thank you to Equestrian Collections. And Helena, it's time. If you remember right, it was three years ago that we talked to Shauna on a previous show we did. 
That's right. And wow. it's been a long time. So let's let's get caught up on what's going on in her world and where we are with clicker training. I, you know, I've been reading more about it again. It's right. sort of making comeback. And I know you and my wife are big believers in it. So yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Yep. And, and we'll probably. I am sure that the new horse, the new quarter horse, the new no-named quarter horse, uh, will ha- will be clicker trained to do all kinds of tricks. Oh, I know. I'm sure he will, probably in the next two weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, what will take Jennifer two weeks to accomplish will take me two years. <laughs> All right, Shona, let's learn how to do it quicker with her. And we have on with us today Shauna Karish. I'm very excited to talk with Shauna. Shauna is the founder of On Target Training, and um, she's got a fabulous background of training not only horses, but um, some other mammals as well. And uh, Shauna's going to talk to us about uh, clicker training and uh, all kinds of training and, and philosophies. So welcome to the Stable Scoop Show, Shauna. Thank you so much. It is great to be talking with you guys. Tell us about, okay. for those of you who aren't familiar with you or um, your, your training, tell us a little bit about who you are and um, what, what does your world consist of in terms of training these days? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, it's a tall I, uh, order. Sorry. <laughs> there's a half an hour question. <laughs> I go right Don't forget, I've got the gift of gab. But anyway, um, I started my training uh, with animals, and that was um, where I really started training animals was at SeaWorld in 1984. And so SeaWorld out here in California, and so I worked with killer whales, dolphins, sea lions, walruses, otters, and I did the shows with them as well, and that, yes, I flew through the air <laughs> with off the nose of the killer whales. So you, but, were, one um, of those, you were one of those girls in the uh, wetsuits doing the show. I, exactly. That's, I get that question all the time. The perky I, ones. I <laughs> the perky ones. They always have to be perky. I think, isn't that a requirement? It's probably on the application, isn't it? I, you know, I, I know it's something they, they, they pull out in the interview process. They want to know <laughs> that you've got a presence out there on stage as much as, you know, they'll train you, teach you how to be a trainer, but you need to have a certain stage presence, they, they, and that comes with perky. And you have to say. be able to <laughs> smile even when you're getting thrown through the air. <laughs> That's that, that enough is reason. That alone is reason to smile. Yeah. I mean, we ride horses. We're adrenaline junkies, yeah. Glenn. Come on. <laughs> All right, Shauna. So, okay, so I, um, I started '84 and I worked there through '94. But in 1992, um, Elizabeth Bush Burke of Anheuser Busch, who owns SeaWorld, gave some of us trainers tickets to see a Grand Prix uh, show jumping. And and back to that adrenaline junkie thing, I saw people flying over, you know, five and a half foot fences, and I thought, oh, how thrilling I want to do that. <laughs> so that's where I kind of started looking into horse training and how it was done, and I realized that. The techniques that were being used with horses were just foreign to me, you know, and what we did with marine mammals was foreign to horse people. So I kind of saw that, you know, what's happening with horses is excellent, it's it's great, but there's this whole other part that people aren't aware of that is so, you know, I knew after 10 years that it, it is just so strong and so good and make such a great safe relationship that I um, I really thought well that's just the it, there's something missing there you know there's another another part that they could really add into what they're doing to make a better relationship so I and that, started, um, and, and that part was the clicker that. And that, yeah, actually at SeaWorld, though, we didn't use clickers and we didn't use, um, we didn't call it clicker training. We called it target training. Okay. And that, hence, the name I have is on target training because our focus is on 
uh, the target. Like if you had a new animal you're working with, you're going, I'm going to start the target training. And so it's, and we use whistles or we use verbal bridge signals. At one time we use clickers, but then we got away from them. So, so, but it is the same, it is the principles. I mean, I still call it, it's positive reinforcement training, but I still call it clicker training because it's become recognized through the dog world. It kind of has come into horses and become recognized as the term clicker training. So, and I but do it's, use it's, a clicker, so. The, but the, the basis of it is to use a sound as the reinforcing target or the trigger, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, Versus like, I mean, not, it, what I was going to say is that the. Trigger. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's so it's hard because we can't see each other, and we're both really excited, and we're both probably talking with our hands, and like our faces smushed into the microphone. Helene is being Italian, and and excited because I just I think this is such a great method of training. Typically, with I mean, um, the conventional horse training uh, methods are using body cues, nonverbal. And so, you, you know, some sound, there's clucking and whatever, but, you know, the whole natural horsemanship thing is all about using your body and body language to influence the horse. But, but this on-target training is a little bit different than that because it uses sound? or well, the- actually, yeah, um, actually, your cues are still the same. You know, so okay. I, we, I still use um, body, I use the aids, you know, and I use... But the clicker, what, what is different about it, it's actually a yes signal when they're doing something correct. So it doesn't start the behavior. It actually punctuates and says what you just did is correct. Now, you've earned the potential to get a reinforcement. And so okay. we vary what that reinforcement is. A lot of times it is food-related because it's, a, it's one of their needs to survive. So its value as a motivator is stronger than anything we have in our traditional world of horse training because they really value it but so it's um so it kind of marks um a process along the way but it is communication for sure but um you can use verbal you can use tactile you can use you know your body position when you're riding doing under saddle work so all of those kind of things will work together but so that you're on the right idea it's just a, a little different point in the in the equation there Okay. I like this. I want to hear more. <laughs> so, so essentially the clicker is the yes. Uh, so you, whatever method you use to get your, I mean, you have your methods, but in general, you have a method to get the horse to produce a desired behavior. You say, yes, that's what I want with the clicker sound. Exactly. And you can use traditional horse training, which is, I mean, you can use you know, there's bits. I mean, I ride with a bit. I ride with my leg. I ride with my hands. You can use the stick. You can use a round pen. You can use whatever it is that you traditionally use to get to those those means. And then you use the clicker to instead of just. And typically, what we do is the reason they do it again is they we then remove that pressure. You know, so we squeeze with our legs. When they go forward, our legs soften. We ask them to stop or slow down through. You know, let's say our bit and our reins. When they stop or slow down, we soften that pressure. So they're working for the removal of that pressure. So what we do, and you can do it right in conjunction with it, and that's a great thing. It's not like it has to replace everything you know, but it adds in, you know. And it's um, you then can click and say, yes, I like your responsiveness to my reins, you know, whether it's an opening rein or a, or a flying lead change or what, or what, or groundwork, you know. You've got tons of husbandry behaviors like, you know, injections or 
or farrier work or trailer loading or clipping, but it's all so that it, you can use whatever you traditionally use. But we also use, um, in, at SeaWorld, we used a target as well, and I use it with the horses too, and it kind of is the first um, thing. When I'm first clicker training them and giving the clicker value so they, they understand that it is something good, the very first thing I teach them is to keep their head and body turned away so they don't encroach on my space, but they learn to respect my space and my boundaries, you know, so... They're always watching and always wet there and bright-eyed and ready to go, but they're not, um, they're not mugging me. They're not on me. They have to learn that. I mean, they don't know it right off the bat, but in 45 seconds, they begin and start learning that. So it's really fast. And then we go into the target training, and um, the target is like, it's like a two-foot dowel I use. It's just like the ones we used at SeaWorld. I have a marine fishing net float on the end. It's nice and light. It's white. I can take it anywhere. It lasts forever. You know, it can get wet, it can get dirty, you can wash it. It's always the same for me. But it, do, it doesn't matter what you want to use. And, um, I teach and it to floats when you're on that. the cross-country course and fall in the water. <laughs> exactly. And there you go. You can always find it when your horse jumps off the boat. <laughs> so that's the next part. But the target also is a way that you can help to set them up for success. You know, like if I want a horse to go in a trailer... And I just stand all day there with him loose because I like to work him loose as much as I can so that I don't like to use a lead as a pull and a tug, but more as a signal. And sometimes if you have a really, you know, reticent loader that's like, I don't want to go in the trailer for anything. I hate the trailer. You, you know, just by pulling on the lead rope, sometimes you just get them in the you pull, I pull. You know, it takes two to pull. And he, so if I just take all that stuff off and just go, hey, come touch this target that you know about, the odds of them coming and wanting to touch the target is really strong because we've already established a positive reinforcement history with the, the target, you know, so they see it and think, I just want to touch that thing, but it means I have to put a foot on that ramp. But, you know, they inevitably make decisions to put the foot, and then you can click and reinforce. So it, it gives me a way, or click and feed, <laughs> and it gives me a way to set them up to success, to get, to get something I want, so something I can reinforce so I can start building on that. And I, I think of it like scales that get out of balance. So I could start putting weight on the side of the scale to get them to do the thing I want them to do, as opposed to all the weight they have on the side that says, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Does that make sense? Ah. Yeah, so you're breaking it down into like little modules, little chunks, and then or, or building blocks. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So now, can any <laughs> can anybody figure this out? I mean, obviously we have to go through a train the trainer type of thing, but can the average Joe figure out how to do on target training? Oh yes, for sure. It's um, and as I give clinics, you know, and you start talking about the principles that are behind it, they're behavior principles, and they're not animal behavior principles. They're just behavior principles that apply to all of us. Yeah, husbands and wives, children, <laughs> you know, but and dogs, you know. But anyway, um, but the and so they're behavior principles. And as you start talking about it with people, people are like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. But it's something we don't um, hasn't historically really been. Um, applied so much with the positive reinforcement side. So just in the education process, you start to figure it out. But it's also a very forgiving, safe system. So if you do something kind of wrong, it's easy to get back out of it. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do now with my, um, you know, with the, the website and the Internet business is being a resource for people that are doing it. And before, you didn't quite have the place where people could come and go, 
uh-oh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it wasn't so. If I wasn't there in person, it wasn't there. And now it's a great way to get to talking to people through it. But but your average person, you're, and you know, if I've worked with Olympic gold medalists and their horses, you know, more than one, all the way down to your backyard enthusiasts and pony club and children. And so it works for um, anybody. It's really, it's anybody and anything. So it's been really fun. Now, I've tried to use it with Jennifer, my wife, and it just doesn't work as well. I think that's what you were getting to earlier, wasn't it? You should try donuts. I even tried the food reinforcement thing, and it's still... She has that independent spirit. You know how that is. Well, you know, she, my wife is a big believer in clicker training, and probably... um, Probably that's where you learned a, a lot of it from. I think she used it when she was with you, Helena. Uh, but, oh, yeah. You know, and, and she is a big believer in it, and that was 20 years ago. And I think what's happened is clicker training got really big about about 15 years ago, actually, in the mid-'90s and the end of the 90s. And then I think it sort of tapered off a little bit, and now I sort of see a resurgence. And I'm, I'm using clicker training as that generic term like, like you are. Right. Um, I, now I kind of see a resurgence. Are you seeing the same thing? You know, I I really am. Um, You know, I had a period where I was kind of going through my own, you know, personal growth period. So I kind of veered away from it a little bit. Still worked with horses, still talked to people and did things, but wasn't 100% immersed in it like I was before and now like I am again. But it, it just, it does seem like it has reached a new level of acceptance. And I knew when I was starting it, it was brand new to the horse world. People weren't doing it. I mean, I got the benefit of starting with, you know, BZ Madden and her, you know, and she's Olympic gold medalist. I got to start at the top, but it was brand new, and people would just think it was really odd, you know, or they thought, oh, that's really cute, you know, look at the little whale girl, tree hugger, you know, making a pet out of everything. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's serious. You know, this works for every 10,000-pound killer whale do it. You know, your horse can do it. But it seems like people have um, – kind of got getting past that sort of, you know, and are starting to embrace it a little bit more. But its effectiveness speaks for itself. These aren't, these aren't techniques I made up. They've been in textbooks, you know, since, you know, like B.F. Skinner was working on this kind of stuff and, and working it out. And it's been in effect all along. We just, you know, as a science, it became let's understand it and break it down. But it was still rather clinical. You know, like you read the textbooks, and you're like, I can't understand that gobbledygook. <laughs> I can't right. even say the gobbledygook. But <laughs> then um, I took it out of the, the, um, the textbooks, and we, we put it into practical application at SeaWorld, and then I introduced it to the horses, you know, started introducing it in 92, and then really kind of got full-fledged in 94. So it, but it was still so new. But they're proven principles. You know, it's, if anybody really just stops and looks, they find out, you know, whatever their perception is from the get-go. If you really stop and look, you realize these things are at work whether you know it or not. So becoming aware of it and utilizing it to your benefit is, is what is really, you know, paramount to the success when you're doing it. But it's, it's so cool. What I love so much about it is that when you see the horses just come alive. You know, I worked with abused horses. I just got a horse myself. He's going to be my new project that we're going to follow along as he learns all these things. And he was highly suspicious. He was left out in the field until <laughs> he's four years old. So he's basically feral. You know, he might as well have been a wild Mustang, essentially. And right. then he um, came in and he kind of was getting in a program and, and he had a little, he was kind of a square peg in a round hole for a little bit, didn't really have a place. And then 
anyway, so he's with me now, and he was highly suspicious. He pulls back. He does, and to just see him just start to blossom, you know, it's just really, it's it's an awesome thing to see them start to trust and and really to want to listen and be the solid citizen with a good heart as horses go, you know. That's great for me. Can it be used? For can it be used for horses that are um, showing dangerous behaviors? Yes, for sure. I've worked with some some dangerous horses. You know, ones that were, you know, and that's the kind of situation. You know, there's there's things that build up to the dangerous behavior, but you you want somebody that's kind of smart about what they're they're doing there, but. And you or work with protected contact, you know, like I don't just go into the dangerous horse's stall. I started a place where I can be at a safe place outside the stall or the stall's open, you know, six inches so I can reach in, I can reach a target in, you know, and start teaching them. But a lot of times the dangerous horses, more often than not, where they come from is it's usually some man-made issue, you know, and, and it might not be the present owner, but somewhere in their history they felt like, I am threatened to the point I, I need to kill you before you kill me. You know what I mean? It that's their, can be their perception a lot of times. So they've just carried that over from every situation down the road. So it's basically, again, I look at it as scales. It just needs to be rebalanced. They think this is the way I've got to be. And, and you start, because they're avoiding all these, you know, contact that they may associate with humans. And you can shift that right back down. So I've used it with dangerous horses. I've used it to cure biting and mouthiness, which I think is, you know, a lot of people go, you're kidding me. <laughs> yeah, you know, doesn't it create it? And, and it doesn't. So it works for anything. Now, I would think that um, it would actually be better for dangerous horses because the, um, it, like a lot of times when I reward my horse for doing the right thing, it's a gentle pat on the head or the neck, but um, you can use the, the clicker or the sound reward from a distance is that true does it help yes, in that case that that is true and it and and if you think about most horse training what is really in it for the horse you know what i mean if we're asking them to face something that they're not comfortable with you know like it might be a water jump it might be clippers it might be you know a trailer it does you know there's all kinds of things that all of a sudden you're going what's the deal you know this doesn't make sense but to your horse it does and, and where they, they might be frightened or something, and they're thinking, I don't really want this. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And there's nothing really in it for them to do that outside of avoiding, you know, the lead rope or the pressure to go into or commit or, or you know, do as we want them to do for things. But when you start putting the positive reinforcement in it and truly something they want, like the food reinforcement, they value that. They're hardwired to look for food, air, and water to maintain themselves. So they they you know automatically they're born the second they're born you know they take air and within an hour they're up and nursing you know they know how to do those things because it's hardwired so by utilizing something that they're hardwired to search for and that they need and truly desire um it we can really change their behavior so the trick is how do i get them to seek this out and you just you give them the tools to do a calm behavior settled behavior and it really just builds that trust you know, for them all the way around. So all of a sudden, instead of bringing things into the equation that they don't necessarily like related to, you know, the trailer or riding or whatever it might be, we're actually bringing something in for them that they like, and it just changes their relationship and their attitude. Hmm. Now, what do you you want to accomplish with your new horse? By the way, uh, 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 Helena just got an Arab saddlebred standardbred cross, and 
we, we do these reports now. Her, uh, the horse's name is Pi, so we do the Pi updates. So this will be our Pi update, <laughs> Helena. What, what do you want to accomplish? Because you told me you want to start uh, with some target training. What, yeah, What yeah. are you hoping to accomplish? I am, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I don't have a specific goal yet, but I do know that um, he really engages in any kind of game playing. And so I like... Um, We've, I've been free lunging him, so this what I've been calling this at liberty work is um, it, instead of using like in other words, if I'm trotting him in the arena, um, I want him to be able to um, follow my commands. You know, um, walk, trot, canter on a verbal command um, without being attached to anything, or to to stop, right. to back up, just basic obedience training, basically. And then maybe eventually we'll do some trick training because he really, he likes that intellectual puzzle playing, game playing kind of thing. So I think that the clicker training would be a great way to um, let him have some fun without having a rider on his back. You know, and that's, there, there is so much to that because at the, the basic um, ground manners or their basic demeanor that goes through all of the training starts with the littlest thing. So if you get them saying yes to this and yes to that, pretty soon it's yes to everything, you know, and you, you're working as a yeah. team. And they're thinking, especially someone who likes to think. And, you know, there's a, um, or a, a horse that likes to think. Um, I, there was a test or study they did um, that uh, they gave animals, and there were different species of animals, they gave them free food, you know, just a bucket or a pail of free food. And then they took that away. And they gave those same animals food that they had hit a lever to get the food. Then they took that away and gave them both options. And do you know what they did? They ignored the free food, and they went for the food where they had to hit the lever for the food. So I kind of think, I mean, I think that's amazing. And I think that we... They were all girls, I want to say. The guys would go for the food. (laughs) I just wanted to clarify that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So... What they, um, what, but what I think we do, we have such a tendency to think about their physical needs. Their physical needs are physical needs, you know, how's everything, are they groomed, are they getting out, are they, but we forget that there's a lot of mental, you know, um, psychological needs that sometimes we forget. And I, I think about this and how much they preferred to do something that stimulated them, uh, you know, mentally to, to get their food. And I thought that was really interesting. I've already, already suspected that, but that just, to have it laid out like that, that I think it's just great. And I think when we start introducing the positive reinforcement and getting them thinking and involved in their training program and active members who want to be there. I mean, I pull out the saddle. My horses nicker. You know, you pull in the barn and they nicker. They're just excited to get to go out and work. You know, and that's really a good place to be. But It, anyway, it is a so good I, place I to be, Yeah. It, yeah, it, it is because they, they, it's like, what are we going to do today? And, you know, I, I don't want to, like, my horse came to me with that, hey, how are you kind of attitude. And I, I want to reinforce that so that, and you know, on rainy days or snowy days or days when it's just too hot to ride or, like, I'm a firm believer that you need to exercise your horse's mind as much as his body. And if he doesn't have to think about his survival, I mean, again, this is just my off the wall theory but in the wild horses need to use their brain in order to figure out where they are in their herd and what you know how they're going to stay alive and who they're going to breed with and all that stuff you take away that thinking process with the stabled horse whose routine is so monotonous that i think you need to replace some of that thinking with games and so um i i just thought that the the clicker training or the on-target training would be a great way to replace um those thinking games 
Uh, Helena, you're right on the mark. I agree with you 100. percent Even if they're spooking, go. What's that up on the hill? You know, they, <laughs> you know, they have to worry about it because it might be, you know, something coming to get them. When so, I think they they search those things out, and the more we can provide that, one, the more happy and balanced they are, and the less they create their games. I mean, you just see a lot of horses just out of boredom. They become really bad, and a lot of the horses that I I look at and think we've got a ton of stuff to undo you know i'm not saying they're problem horses they're problematic we'll say because it can be fixed but i you know right, right off the bat i can say that they're really smart now like, yeah how'd you know and it's like because they're the ones that get bored the quickest you know but i i think you're right on the money you just you you start and it's like you said it's not necessarily a specific goal i mean a lot of times people come to me because they have a specific problem you know they're going oh my horse won't do this or they won't do that and everything I've tried hasn't worked, so here I am. But it's best if you just go right off the bat and go, here we go, here's our stuff. And, and you circumvent a lot of that, and you, you know, it just gives you great tools. And in the beginning, I think it's a little bit slow because you're going, oh, here's the clicker, and here's the target. And then they get it figured out, but then things just snap and move along so fast that it's, they, they just get mature beyond their years. You know, they just process and think and are such a part of the, the training, you know, equation, which is really nice. Now, if somebody's what, somebody knows nothing and they want to get started on this, what, what, how do, how do they do that successfully? Okay, um, well, I mean, I have a book and a video that cover it, but I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell right here and now, so your readers can or viewers, listeners, one <laughs> whatever of those. they are, little <laughs> We have we have all three. Yeah. <laughs> we have all three. The, um, They're not quite but, sure either. so the first thing i do i go in the stall and i have um a side bucket i mean i use something that's easy for me to get in and out of without fussing with zippers and soft things but yet something i can cover one time i went in with a really big bucket it was a mess because i couldn't cover it you know the horse is like i can get in here i can get in here so i use something small enough that i can contain and i um and i so i have a a side bucket that's attached to my waist, and I go in, and the first thing I do is, now when you go in, naturally they're going to go, I want that food. You know, people put food in my bucket, and I go eat it, and there's food, and I think I should eat that. So you have to have a, that's why I want to contain it. So they'll kind of try, and they'll kind of nose, and if they get too nosy or pushy, I'll actually shoo them away, you know, if you just got to flick their little nose or something. And as soon as they turn away, for whatever reason, I click and reinforce. I don't care if they looked out the window because they heard a noise. Whatever it is that they turn away from the side bucket, um, I click and reinforce. And now I do this, um, and that's the very first um, lesson is I want them to mine their space. So I do this for about um, four days. I do it about five minutes twice a day. So if you go see your horse every day, do it five minutes when you first get there, then do your normal thing, and then just five minutes before you go home. And what you're doing is you're pairing the sound of the clicker with delivering of food, which gives them um, its Pavlovian conditioning, just like Pavlov's dogs, where they start to think, oh, I love that sound. It means something good is going to happen. Now, right off the bat, i got to say, they're interested in the food. I mean, that grabs their attention greater than anything I've ever seen. But down the road, they forget what it is that they like about you, what they like about the clicker. It's just been conditioned. So I just do that. I just click feed, click feed. The only thing is keep your space from me. I'll go to both sides of their heads, and I start kind of at their shoulder uh, so it's not so easy to be right 
you know, in the bucket. They'd have to kind of crank their heads around. And so I do that, like I said, for about four days. And then you're going to find that when you click that clicker, they're looking. You know, you go in, they start turning their head away right off the bat, and they're keeping their space. And then as soon as you click, they're, ooh, excited. And I have a tendency to bring the food to them where they are. I try to reach out with my hand as opposed to feeding them right from the side bucket. I reach out and feed them up where they are so that you kind of, again, you're drawing attention to go, I'll bring it to you. You don't have to come to the side bucket. And then um, the next thing I do is I use a target, and you can use whatever you like as a target, um, just something that you can is light that you can use from place to place and be consistent with is great. And then I, um, I just teach them to touch their nose to the target. Now, right off the bat, because they're so curious, they will sniff at the target, even if they're, you know, snorting and sniffing. <laughs> you know, they are interested in what that target's about. And as soon as I see them even looking towards it, I click and reinforce. And then, you know, you start, you do that a few times. And pretty soon you can hold it off to the side. And I do that for about the same amount of time, four days, uh, um, do it five minutes twice a day. So, you know, beginning and end of my visit. And if you do it more, that's great. If you miss a bunch of days in between, it doesn't matter. They remember that's been proven and and it just it doesn't really matter if you you miss some days in between they will remember and then after that you're ready to go into whatever it is that you want to to be working on you know sometimes it's a young horse that's going to be leading or sometimes like in Helena your case it's just kind of going to be some general stuff you know or stuff's going to come up as you get to know each other and go you know he's not good about getting paced you know in the wormer or something you know and you or whatever it is it comes up you'll You'll come across things, but just starting to teach them some things are really good, and you've already started that with the target training. And the target itself can, as I said, you can use it for things like teaching them to lower their head. You can teach it to get them onto a tarp or past a scary object or into a trailer or for backing up or or leading. You know, it has a million uses, but even let's say I'm just going to do, I'm going to work on flying lead changes and the target's not necessarily going to be a part of that equation, I still teach it because it's the beginning part of the actual working relationship where they start putting together, wait, I have to do something a little more. I need to do something in order to earn my reward. So it serves a very valuable purpose, and it's a great way to kind of set them up for success and get them so they love that game. And so if I'm going out to do something, like there was a horse judgment, the BZ Madden Road, and he had um, – he wouldn't go over water jumps, you know. That's he. He just he was Michael Matt rode him. He was great, but he just had an issue with water jumps, and so you, they use it on target training to get him jumping water. But so when they go to the ring, you know, now they've worked through all this stuff at home. As they go to the ring, you know, up at Spruce Meadows, right outside the ring, they brought the target and said, "Target, target." It's very simple, but it's getting his mindset in the we're doing that thing again. You know, so and then he went in the ring and performed and did great, and and but it was kind of a reminder. So it, it's it's really a uh, a staple that I, I use for a lot of things. Well, now if people wanted to, I do know my wife, uh, as I said years and years and years ago, learned about clicker training from 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 your book. So if people want to get your book and also you know want to get a clicker and get started, where can they do that? Um, they can go to my website. Um, it's shawnacarish.com, and that's S-H-A-W-N-A-K-A-R-R-A-S-C-H. Or you can go to askshauna.com, a little easier to spell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> that long old name. But the, um, and I also do um, teletraining events, too, and webinars. So it's, um, th- so Ask Shauna actually takes you to the, 
the webinar page, but it's part of my bigger, um, there's, you know, you have the tabs for my whole website up there. So you can get to products and learning just more about on-target training, you know. So there you go. Well, that's great. Well, does that motivate you to want to get into a stall there, get into pie stall and... Oh, I'm I'm like just yeah, I'm bouncing up and down in my seat. I can't wait to get there and do some more stuff and well, oh, yeah. There you go. I, he's a just and he's a fun guy. This is really I Shauna, I'm like beside myself with excitement because um when Glenn <laughs> told me we were having you on today, I thought, "Oh, this you know, the timing is perfect because I was really thinking about starting this kind of training with Pi and I'm I just think that, you know, when I start something, it's so funny because a lot of people, I have a wonderful trainer, the best, best trainer that, she's just fabulous. And she sees me do some of this at Liberty stuff. And she said, you know, how do you get your horse to, to follow you around like that? <laughs> and I said, huh, you know, I, I, I don't know. And then I said, well, I did this and I did that. And, you know, the next day you've got like three people at the barn who are doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, and everybody gets excited about it. So I'm partially excited to do it with my own horse, but I'm also excited to watch it spread, to watch right. other people get on board with this and enjoy the same, the same type of um, success that I know that I will have with my horse. Which is, you know, that's what I love. I love seeing the horses enjoy it and the people enjoy it. It just makes a better relationship. So I'm, I'm with you. I just love seeing that. I get tickled to see what anyone's doing or hearing stories and stuff. It's, just, it's awesome. I'm really, really glad. I, it's exciting. Well, now I have the final question for you, and this is the most important one. Um, mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I wanted to say, at least now when you graduated to horses, the bucket that you carry in to do the reinforcement training wasn't as stinky <laughs> as the when, it used to be, when it used to be the dead fish in there. Uh, but so what now, is a whale, killer whale, easier to train, or is a horse easier to train? You know, I think, um, first of all, I think horses and sea lions are a lot alike. They're both a little skittish, uh, and they can follow you and do stuff. The, the killer whales are capable of, um, more so than the dolphins, they ha have proven that they really like, um, they're capable of complex thought. So with the killer whales, you spend a good deal of your time maintaining behavior they already know because they really like playing games. Okay. So they're a little <laughs> trickier. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Yeah, it really is. So we spend a lot of time maintaining what we know that they know, and you really have to keep them stimulated and progressive with them. But I think what's interesting, too, with the horses, they come in with so many different backgrounds that you may never, ever know about what they've been through somewhere, you know, that that always makes it a little challenging. So that might be a little challenging, but the basic thing is it's incorrect behavior, and I'm going to correct it. I always, as a behaviorist, I want to search back and find out why, you know, <laughs> why is it that they do this, but... But I think the horses are really much easier. And it doesn't work on horse husbands at all. Um, well, we're pretty much food motivated, <laughs> what though. What do you mean? It's food. Yeah, yeah we're, we're food motivated. You food pretty much don't need, what else you don't, do you need? <laughs> you don't even need the <laughs> clicker. Just bring us chocolate and ice cream. And we're good. <laughs> and a steak occasionally. And a monster truck something. Or yeah, other. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> or a chainsaw. Something that's got an engine in it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Shauna. We appreciate you being on with us today. We'll Thank be in you touch. So much. It was great. Yeah, and if you want to do something on a specific subject down the road, whatever it is, it's just great fun talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, good. Perfect. Our pleasure. 
Well, thanks to Shauna for joining us again. It was a lot of fun. We really appreciate it and appreciate talking to her. We should have her back again. Uh, we should get her back like once a year and keep up with her. She's just a fascinating woman. Yeah, she is. Be sure to We're listen next week as we have another great show planned for you. Our show notes are at StableScoop.com. That's where you find links to uh, Shauna and everybody else, to Kathleen and everybody that we talk about on the show every week. Uh, you can also send us feedback using the contact link on our website. Uh, you also, at Twitter, you can follow us on Horse Radio and Helena at Helena underscore B-E-E. And probably you saw a tweet a while back that said... Uh, thanks. (laughs) We want to thank our sponsors, Omega Alpha and Equestrian Collections for for supporting us through this this, uh, show today. We appreciate you hanging in there with us. And be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And don't forget to check out Helena and I's other show, the Tack and Habit radio show at tackandhabit.com. Well, Helena, we're going to end it so you can go scream in pain. Uh, So we'll be back again next week. With uh, something cool? <laughs> or the pain-free scoop. I, yeah, well, you know what? I think my thumb's still going to hurt next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Helena, we'll be back again next week. See ya. <laughs> Bye. And Cheers. be sure to listen in next week as we have another great show for you. And you can find our show notes at stablescoop.com, all the links to today's show. And <laughs> now that you could use as a blooper. I am. I'm, you know what? Mary was right. The day is just going to go downhill. From... <laughs> this is, for those of you who are listening, I mean, we've cut out. I just can't even talk. We've cut out like, I don't know, 10 minutes worth of tape because I'm just a mess. You can put this at the end, Brian. <laughs> 